0: Thank you. Oh, thank you. That's a good point. You still have to download it next week. I just started having a coughing fit backstage because of course, um, how many of you, Hey, is it possible to get the monitors louder just for me? Cause I'll start talking really loud if, if they're not just cause I have hearing and voice issues. Um, is it, should they, should I just keep doing check, check until they do it? Anyone here? Is there, no, uh, should I just move on? Is there anyone in the bo- uh, sound area? Oh, you got it. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, they to an absurd level, if they want to turn up my monitors on stage, just because it, I forgot to do it before the show, because it, I, um, I talk way too loud that I need to, and if the monitors are super loud, it keeps my, that's what usually where I wear headphones. Okay, anyway. I'm not. You're like, why is she being cunty? I'm like, no, it's true. I just I don't want her. I don't want to hurt my voice. I'm not like the monitors. I'm like Michael Jackson, and this is it. With love, with love. I can't. Did you see that movie? Okay. Um, how many of you? And I'm just asking because I have to see where I want to go with this podcast today, depending on, are, how many of you are not regular listeners to my podcast? Okay. And then, how many of you are? Looks <clears throat> like exactly half. Okay. So that's good. So here's what I... So my podcast is I talk alone to myself every week about what's going on in my head, in the world, in whatever. And there's an intimate relationship that I developed with my audience. And they hate live episodes. They tell me they don't download those ones because I go into like performance mode and they don't feel like I'm really talking to them, which I'm not. I'm talk, And I agree with them. I hate how it feels too. So I don't know why I booked this. But anyway, but I, no. But so the people that don't listen normally, I feel like... If you can get in the mindset that you're not being entertained, but that you're eavesdropping into an experience that you're like, oh, I'd never heard her podcast before, then I'll feel more comfortable doing my podcast the way it normally is instead of like trying to entertain. Not that it's not entertaining, but it's not like I'm not doing like material at you. Okay, so we get it, right? And then the regular listeners, you'll get if i'm talking to you about how i actually had fun this week and i might hire an assistant you'll be like that's big news and then you guys are like this is the most boring thing ever it's like i know but that's what the podcast is so you came that you came i think that's toilet water okay who wants to be who wants to be my little assistant for right now and i'll buy you a drink i'm not kidding or i'll buy you well who has who already has not ordered something you haven't. Okay. Whatever you get is on me. I'll give them my credit card. No big deal. I have a credit card. Um, is that a Bloody Mary? What's a Caesar? Is it like a morning drink? Oh, do you guys have mimosas? Can I have one? But me and mimosa and then my friend here, and then I'll give you my credit card backstage, or you can go through my purse. This is the new fun me. I have a drink in the daytime. Will you hand one out to everyone here? That's why I'm buying your thing. Cause that's really obnoxious. What it just asked you to do. Yeah. You did. Um, as fuck. Oh, thank you. All right. You're like, what is she doing? What the fuck has happened to Jen Kirkman? She's drinking. She's telling people to buy things. Okay. So I have a necklace line and every time I say it, people start laughing cause they think I'm kidding because why would a comedian do something like that? But that's what you do as a lady in comedy. As you get older, you start selling jewelry and clothing, and um, because you're worried, especially in America, I don't know how much longer women are going to be allowed to speak. So I got to make money. <laughs> I got to make money doing other things. No, but it's cool. I I have this this idea for necklaces. Cause like, I don't like like merchandise, like t-shirts. I just think it's all hideous. And so I, th- I wear this necklace that says over 40. I don't have it on now because I lost it this weekend, but I have a necklace that says over 40. And, um, this jewelry company was like, Oh, it's, you should make necklaces that say funny things. And then, uh, we came up with some stuff. Some of it's not funny, but you know, you have to take input from other people. And so it says, uh, Some of them say feminist AF. I told them it means and fun, but it's as fuck. But they don't normally have swears on their merchandise. And then some say over 40, and some say child-free. And they're super. There's a range of prices from like cheap to expensive. And you can make your own, and some are acrylic colors. So just take a flyer home. It runs until New Year's, and just you know make it your Christmas present for someone. So thank you for handing those out. So I actually had flyers because people laugh when I say it. I'm like, okay, they're never gonna think I'm not kidding. So um, all right, good. So we're gonna have a mimosa. So I guess, um, no, again, for the, I'm really self-conscious about the people that don't normally listen, um, because I don't know how much they know about me, but like, I've been revealing my life for like four years on this podcast. Like I've broken up with the same person twice. I've had lost my voice like, and a lot's happened. And so, so I have vocal issues in the sense, in the sense, what the fuck is happening? Sometimes I like a weird accent comes out of my mouth. I don't know. And you see, I'm having tea and water and the, i I, uh, slur a lot on my podcast and I don't know what it's from. And now I'm glad you can see that I'm not impaired. And maybe after I have my mimosa, uh, you will see that my speak better or something. I don't know. But anyway, so I had vocal trouble. I take a year off the road. My cords were inflamed. I went on steroids. It was great. And it got better. Um, so uh, to any of you gay kids out there, it gets better. Um, you can get your voice back. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it. Cheers, everybody. Um, that's perfect. Okay. So that is terrible for my vocal cords. It's acidic and alcohol should not be doing that while speaking. It's sort of like punching yourself in the face while you're in a beauty contest. It just doesn't, um, go together. That's a bad example. It's sort of like playing basketball with a sprained ankle or spraining your ankle on purpose while like trying to, I don't know what it is, but it's doing something counterproductive. That's what I'm saying. So anyway, um, I took a time off from, I have this whole routine when I go on the road, like I can't eat acidic foods cause it's like partly that inflames the cords. I have to relearn to speak like a performer does and like no speaking except for the show. And I don't go to loud restaurants or bars anymore. If someone's like, Hey, we're going out to dinner. I've literally walked in and been like, sorry, I can't join you guys. And I have to leave if it's too loud, like anytime in life. So that's how I got my voice back. Um, I didn't get my groove back yet, but I will tell you guys about that if I ever do. But, um, so I did it and then now I have to kind of live that way. So like, I don't go to karaoke. I don't. Go to loud things. I'm not. If I have a show, I usually stay in silence all day. Um, I try to like schedule. If I have to do like press for shows, like I give myself 15 minute breaks. I steam my vocal cords. I do these warm ups. I'm like, woo, do them through straws. So, and I go to sleep on like a wedge pillow. Like my entire 24 hours a day is thinking about it. Um, and that's how I got it better. And then when I'm on the road, I have to just keep it in shape. But it became now an obsession and a paranoia to where where my voice sounds r- relatively fine, I get so paranoid that I'm going to lose it. And so this whole weekend, I'm like, I'm just going to hide in my room and I'm just going to do a show. I'm not going to talk to anyone. And, and it's become like I don't have any fun like at all. I sit by myself and then I do shows. And then I get so pissed when people are like, did you do anything fun this weekend? I'm like, I can't. I lost my voice once. And so <clears throat> it's become like, did you guys ever see um, the last season of Sex in the City? Or maybe it's the first movie when Charlotte... Stopped running because she was pregnant and she didn't want to lose the baby. And Carrie's like, "It's what you do. You love running." Meanwhile, I've never seen an episode where she runs, but she <laughs> runs. She, it's what she does. So it's like, "It's what you do. You love being social." And so I feel like I'm not going to lose my voice. Like, if I guess most people know how to live this way, but I only know extremes. I'm like, "Oh, so I'll take care of my voice on the road with all the shit I just told you about, and then also have some fun." And if I feel like my voice is getting crappy retreat back from the fun, rest, do the shows. If it gets really bad again, I have emergency steroids. Like instead of live as though it's about to be lost and do nothing. So this weekend, I actually had fun and I'm overwhelmed. Like I can't believe I had a day yesterday that lasted 14 hours. I don't have to, you know, this is my idea of fun. You'll see that that little thing right there is acidity. That little rasp. It's not sexy. It's not, well, I wasn't born that way. It's a mistake. And so I don't like when people go, oh, your voice is raspy. It's not good. I like to be able to have a range so I can go like, oh my God, see how it doesn't sound, see how it sounds weird. <clears throat> so and clearing your throat's bad for it. So I'm paying for the fun I had yesterday and I'm having right now, but it's okay. We'll get back on track tonight and tomorrow in the hotel room. But it's all I fucking think about. It's, I realize it's become an obsession. So what I did yesterday is I had, I woke up in the morning and I had to do some phone press. This is the phone. I had to talk to some, uh, newspapers in Chicago and Detroit. Cause I've shows there next weekend or this a week from today. And so I did that. And then, but before those happened, it was cold out suddenly. And my app had said 90 degrees all week. Um, and I'm glad it wasn't. I'm sorry the weather's bad. I'm not a tropical, like I'm not a surfer. Like I don't need the weather to be good. Just because I'm from LA doesn't mean like better be nice. We better have red carpets everywhere. Um, I don't like nice weather. I'm not, I'm from the East Coast. And so as I get older, uh, ladies tend to run hot as they get older. Uh, They sweat hormones change. So I'm always hot. And so I like when it's cold. And, but anyway, I didn't know that the, the fucking, it's true, right? That they fuck with your iPhone to get you to buy the new one. Am I making that up? Does anyone else agree with me by round of applause? Okay. I'm not insane. You see how your first response made me feel alone and abandoned. (laughs) The second response is like, okay, I'm not the only one. So I don't think they're updating the weather. Because it's still not indicating that it's cold here. I mean, not that it's cold. But anyway, so I I had shipped... I was on the East Coast for two weeks. I shipped, like, I had a coat and some rain boots. I shipped them back home. And then I got here and it was freezing. And so I was like, I'm going to run to Topshop before these press interviews. Whoa, that was a big... I was like, I'm not going to do my vocal warm-ups before the press interviews because I want to go to Top Shop early before everyone gets there. That was like, oh, my God. I'm like fucking... John Belushi or something out of control, <laughs> just out of control. I, I'm not going to do my vocal warmups. <sighs> <clears throat> I went to top shop. I bought like a cheap little fake fur thing, got an umbrella at the pharmacy, got a coffee. am <gasps> I supposed to drink coffee when I'm doing interviews. I'm supposed to drink hot water. Oh my God, I'm out of control. So I did that during the interviews. I go, I can do an extra five minutes on each one cause I was having fun. That's more talking than I anticipated. Then I get a text while I'm doing them. Can you do W come Bell's show? He's doing a panel about race and I'm like, I want to, but I already decided I'm going to be quiet all day. No, I'd like to see him do the show. Fuck. Yes, I'll do it. I'm like, Oh, God, I just booked more talking. And then I come and I do the show. And it was so fun. And then I had a few hours before my show and I'm like, well, now what do I do? I don't think I want to go back to the hotel and organize stuff. I had laundry in the, in the thing. There's a hotel room. It's really, the hotel's gross, but the hotel rooms have laundry in them, like washing machines and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of awesome. So I'd done a little laundry. I'm like, but it's in the dryer, and then it will get wrinkled. I should go back and do that all day. And I'm like, try to have fun. What if you're like, when you're 80, you're going to really regret that when you were young and could move around, you didn't have as much fun as possible. I'm like, okay. Um, and so Todd Barry was recording his podcast here and Andy Kinler was the guest and they're my pals. And I was like, I want to see them together. That would be fun. And I'm like, you can't, you have to rest. And I'm like, no, I don't. And I'm just yelling at myself, like, calm down self. I haven't even lost my voice yet. And so I sat over there and I got chips and salsa and a glass of wine. I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) And I watched the show and I laughed. I I was like, oh, it's bad for my voice. And I did it anyway. I was like, let it out girl. And then after that, I was like, now what? I still have some free time. And Todd and I were like, let's walk somewhere and have a drink. I'm like, Oh, another drink? I've had two drinks in three hours what? And so we had a drink in the lobby of the hotel. And then there were other comedians coming through because all the comedians are in the same hotel. And then normally I walk through the little sign. I'm not kidding. When I go to festivals where there's lots of comedians with a little sign that says vocal rest. So I don't talk to anybody. And I was sitting there and talking and using my voice and second glass of wine. And I'm like, Oh my God. It was like a staycation. I was like, I can't believe the fun I'm having. This is my idea of fun. And then I just ran to my room and barely changed. I just grabbed like a lipstick and I ran out the door to my show and I'm like, oh, I didn't change my outfit. Like it was crazy for me. And then I get to the show and I didn't really have time to do anything. I did a few vocal warm-ups, but there were people I knew backstage and we talked and I'm like, wow. And then I did the show and I had friends in the audience and then I went with them to see their show before I had a midnight show. And I was like, this is out of fucking control. And so I talked backstage to people and then I saw a little bit of a show and then I went and did the midnight show here with Andy and I hadn't begged to go on first so I could leave. I went on when they put me on. I threw caution to the wind and I got home at 2.30 in the morning and I got up at 10 to have coffee with a friend today. I'm like, oh my God, when will she stop? I've literally not done something like that in over a year. And that, I know it doesn't sound fun to you guys. (laughs) I'm still reeling like, Oh my God. And things still got done. Like I have that kind of ADHD where, and it's a real symptom of it. I feel like people don't really understand what ADHD is. We talk about it on my podcast a lot, but for the new people, like it doesn't mean I can't focus because I'm super hyper-focused, but It means like, I think, okay, Jen, you have the nuclear codes. You can launch one. Also, there's laundry to be folded. And I'm like, fuck, they're both equally important. And so I can obsess over anything. And so there's still, the laundry is still in the dryer there. And I'm like, oh, like I'm so wild. I guess it's maybe a little bit of like an OCD thing too, where it's like, I have to do this before I do that. And that has to be perfect. And it's like, I always think like once this to-do list is done, Then I can have fun. But the to-do list is never done. So I'm like, oh, you got to kind of do both. And I'm like, I don't like living in the middle. And so I've been really busy lately, but you know when you're busy, but you're not getting richer and you're like, what the fuck is happening? Like you just you're hustling on one side. I hope this project goes through, but it doesn't pay until we're finished with it. So, but it's going to take three months of hustling and that's like full-time, but then I'm on tour and then I have to, you know, do all those warm ups I told you about. And so I feel a little overwhelmed and I'm like, what does anyone else's life look like? Like, I know people are busy, but I'm not one of these, like, you know, those people like, um, I think I've talked about this before, but like I love this TV show, Million Dollar Listing New York. I don't know if you have that show here or you have shows like it about like people in real estate and this is the day in their life. And they're like, I go to bed at midnight and then they're up in the gym at 4 a.m. and it's like all day long, I have 30 emails first thing in the morning and they're just going, going, going. I'm like, part of me is like, yes, I want that. And then when I feel that way, I'm like, this is unmanageable. And so I'm like, what do people do in their downtime? Like, I don't know. So like my downtime... I put laundry away and I do press calls for shows coming up. And I just realized that that's not leisure time. I, that's what I do in my leisure time as I prep for the next thing. And then I do laundry and I grocery shop and I go to the dry cleaner and I do social media, like come to my show. Like that's my, like that's my Friday night. And I thought, well, that's just how I have to live. I have to, I don't ever get to socialize. And if I do, I have to, and I was like, well, maybe I have too much going on. Maybe I need help. No, can't afford it. And it's like, well, just, just think about this. Like if you paid someone a little bit, like enough that you can afford, but it does hurt. You're like, I don't like to see that go. What can you give up? Well, I guess I don't need to do this and that and go here next year. Or maybe I can just see what happened. Maybe if someone helps me, it will open me up to be better at my job or be more creative. And I'm not, you know, on stage worried about laundry and, and I can't give a good show. Now this isn't a good show. I'm not talking about this show. Um, so I hired, I don't know why I'm so paranoid all the time that that people will be like, I think this is extravagant. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm so Boston. Um, that I uh, hired an assistant, a friend of mine I know, who's like a normal adult human and he's, uh, I, I was like, are you, is this, in-? first of all, I couldn't, I had so many people I wanted to ask, but I was like, am I going to insult them? But I remember he and I had had a conversation, like he's a creative person, he, but he sometimes likes to freelance. And I was like, is this rude? Do you want to work for me? for?" And so it's 20 hours a week. And like half of it is like errand running crap that like, cause I'll get home off a plane at midnight and I'll go to the grocery store. I'm like, I guess I don't have to live this way. So, and then I'll have him do like social media stuff. Like Not like interact with people or like block paid Russian trolls, but like, you know, like advertise shows and update my website and stuff. And I'm like, I feel like, like Zsa Zsa Gabor or something like so indulgent, or I don't even know what I'm talking about. So, and, uh, and, but basically, so he's like, when do I start? I'm like Monday. And he's like, okay, cool. Send me a list of things to get started on. I'm like, so far all I'm doing is emailing him quotes from the devil wears Prada. That's all I'm doing. (laughs) I'm just like, get to Marsha on the phone. <laughs> Why isn't anybody ready? I just keep doing that. And then he writes back, how do you spell Gabbana? And I'm like, I'm paying someone to do this with me. And he's gay. So I've already hit the level of female comic where I'm alone I'm paying a gay guy to hang out with me and talk about Devil Wears Prada. It's gotten there that fucking quick. Normally, you're like 75 when that happens. We're like, Henry, get over here. Please, don't put down the work. We're going to have a mimosa today. And he's like, I'd rather do the work. Just shut up. We're going to quote my favorite film. Anyway, so I hope it works out, and um, he hasn't started yet. He's coming over Monday. I've already changed the time like three times. Like, okay, well, what about ten thirty? Oh, the traffic for you. So maybe make it eleven. Oh, but I okay, well then, well, what is eight a.m. too soon? I'll get you coffee. Like I'm already getting him coffee. So I don't know. <laughs> so we'll see. Now that was more for my Seam Funners out in Icee Funland. I think they'll be like, wow, you finally did it. Um, ooh, something just came in. Oh no, it's a Yelp. There's a hot new restaurant for you. Tap here to make reservations. All right, I'm going to tap there. What restaurant is it? Does it know I'm in Toronto? Take a guess. Let's make a bet. How many people think Yelp knows I'm in Toronto? Round of applause. <clears throat> Pretty good. actually don't know. It won't say. No. It thinks I'm in Sherman Oaks. California. Moto Mio Cucina Rustica. Fuck you. It's an Italian restaurant, but they put a bunch of bullshit on it that isn't Italian. You know how they do. You know how they do now. Ours is different. It's like food you love, but we throw other shit on it so that we can feel creative. Like just make, it's okay to make ravioli. Like people like that. You don't have to put like shredded beets on it and be weird about it. Um, so I was going to ask you guys, oh wait, shit. Oh, so I normally, this is, I normally have a theme song to my podcast and I'm supposed to walk out to it. And I forgot because I was not paying attention backstage because again, I was having too much fun. See, this is what happens when you have fun, you don't get shit done. So I'd like to play my theme song right now. Oh, what you should have heard. Can you hear it? I see one, the diary of Jeff Kirkman. I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 203. Oh, look at you guys. live from Toronto. That's what you were missing, right, regular listeners? It felt weird, I know. I totally forgot about it. Oh, my God, I'm drinking a mimosa in front of people. I guess... You guys agree that I've kind of figured out the secret to life, right? Like live in the middle. Like, does that sound like okay to do? You feel happy for me, right? Okay, good. Watch me lose my voice again. God damn it. Um, Everyone here, is that right? Is it an ambulance? Oh, it's a cement truck. Oh, okay. I just want to listen to it. I'm mesmerized. I had a weird Uber driver here, but I told the front of house staff when I came in, so I don't want to repeat it because it seems like I was doing a bit on them. It's, it's, these are things I think about. Um, would anyone? Does any, oh, I do want to talk about something. Did anyone go to the panel on race yesterday that I did? Okay, right. so you're going to hear like a little bit of a repeat of a thing, but so I seem fun. I would normally talk about what happened this week, so. I want, okay. I don't want it to get, and don't anyone on the staff here be like, oh my God, we're so sorry. Just one of the staff members in one capacity at this festival was having a conversation with me. He's the nicest person. He's great at his job. He should be allowed to live. But the nuance of the story is that as a Hillary Clinton supporter and not just against Trump, but like, I'm really into her is that you walk around the world and people just say whatever they want about her. And as a woman, we all take it personally because to see who won instead of her is like, it doesn't matter if like Russia sold the election or whatever, just that like the common wisdom is, unless you're a fan of his, is that he's worse than her. But too many people are like, but she's right about there. She's just 1% less worse. And it's so not True. Like in a lot of ways, she's more liberal than Obama. Like no one will hear it though. And it's uncomfortable. It makes me sad. So, but part of being a lady in the world is you talk to people and you're getting along and you're having a nice conversation. And then somehow it comes up and they're like, I mean, I would have voted for her if I lived in America, but only because I had to, because she's just as bad as Trump. And you're like, even in Canada, they say this. Even in Canada, they believed the fake news about... That she was evil and a warmonger? <laughs> what war? She was the fucking Secretary of State. I'm sorry, what war did she start? She was the Senator of New York after 9-11. She saved a lot of people's lives with uh, health insurance situations for the, for the workers that were injured. But whatever, you know. So I was bummed because this guy was like, oh, her motorcade was here today. It's not her fault she had the fucking motorcade. She's the fucking, basically the President of the United States. Like, she's... She has to. So does Obama. So does Bush one and two and three and all of them have to have, and she even writes in her book, she apologizes in her book. I'm sorry I have a motorcade. She feels guilty about it when she goes to every city to try to raise money, to try to get elected because that's our system and, you know, you can change it if you want, but you can't change it until you get elected. And so to get elected, you have to ask people for fucking money. It's a terrible catch 22. You can scream revolution all you fucking want, but you can see that I didn't get anyone elected either. So now we have a disaster. Today's podcast is sponsored by away luggage and talk space. I have a story about my away luggage. That's going to sound like it's a commercial, but it's real. I was in Toronto I have one of those little, what are they called? I don't know, whatever, those little battery packs. You throw it in your purse, you charge your phone, take it with you. Well, i had been charging it overnight. I've been charging the battery pack. So I thought. But the outlets in this crap hotel, sorry, were loose. So the very weight of the plug was making itself fall out of the outlet outlet part. So the thing didn't, didn't uh, charge all night. Well, I had no time to sit because I had to check out of the hotel room. I hate an 11am checkout time. I think you're a monster. A monster, if you do that to people. That one extra hour is so important. So, and I I had no choice. They were very full. Anyway, so I'm like, I'm like, whatever. I can get to the airport with traffic jam, the traffic jam, the traffic jam. I mean, crazy. There's an old man driving me. He doesn't have these modern things like, USB ports in his car and I say I have to charge my phone and I actually ask him to pull over once we're back on the surface streets and I get out my suitcase, suitcasing out of your suitcasing out of your suitcase. I say, no, I need to get my suitcase. It's a phone charger. The carry-on versions of the carry on bags, and there's two different sizes, and I have them both, and they're fantastic, different needs. Well, I put that suitcase in the back seat and I charged my phone. It's amazing. That's just one feature of away luggage that I love. I had some fancier luggage. We're made. Of- and, uh, I literally took it to goodwill today. I'm not lying. I feel like this sounds like I'm lying. It's been on my mind for a while. Once I got, I got all of the away luggage and I also, even some of the suitcases I got two of. So I'm all set. I've got the carry there. They comes in four sizes, the carry on the bigger carry on the medium or the large that one's for extended stays. All suitcases are made with premium German polycarbonate, unrotten impact resistant, impact resistance. And they're very lightweight. I can attest to this. I've, People literally have stopped me on the street to compliment my luggage. I've had people who take my luggage from me, you know, your various doormen, bellhops, and they're like, Whoa, this is, you pack light. I'm like, Oh, I don't. Those things are jammed, but it feels light. The interior features a patent pending compression system, helpful for overpackers. 360 degree spinner wheels, four of them. TSA of top of the bag into the top of the bag into the top of the bag to prevent theft removable, washable laundry bags. Oh my God, that's so important. Keeps the dirty clothes separate from the clean. Both sizes of the carry-on are able to charge cell phones, tablets, e-readers, anything else that's powered by a USB cord. A single charge of the Away carry-on will charge your iPhone five times. Yes, so sometimes, I mean, I've had these suitcases for months. I've charged them once. I I plug it into the, it's so fun to watch your suitcase being charged. It reminds me when I first got plugging it. I'm plugging it. I'm plugging in my book lifetime warranty. If anything breaks, we will fix or replace it for life. 100 day trial. That's a lot. You'll get the point. Live with it, vibe it, travel it, Instagram it. If at any point you decide it's not for you, return it for a full refund. No questions asked. They're literally making it impossible for you to say no. If you're in the market for a suitcase, I beg you to get this one. If you travel all the time, it's all the time, all the time, also life-changing. Because I know that people who don't travel a lot, they tend to not care about things like their luggage. And then when the day that you're traveling comes, you're going to want something that is compression packing. You're going to want something that can charge your phone. You're going to want something with 360 degree spinning wheels. You're going to want something that's a hard shell that can get tossed around and doesn't break and doesn't anything. And again, if it did for some odd fixable for life, free shipping on any order within the lower 48 States carry on sizes are obviously compliant with all major U S airlines. And there are stores in New York city, in Los Angeles. So visit them in person. Um, the bags were inspired by true travel stories. The, uh, creators, they travel, what, why they travel, what, why they travel, what bugs them about their luggage. And they're made to be resilient, resourceful, and essential to the way that you travel today. Two friends from New York founded this company. They found themselves at JFK with dead phones, delayed flights, and a bright idea, luggage with power. Thus, the Away Carry-On was born. So, first-class luggage at a coach price, Away luggage for 20 For twenty. 20- For $20 off of a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com, A-W-A-Y-T-R-A-V-E-L.com slash Jen. Use promo code Jen during checkout. Again, you will get $20 off a suitcase now, awaytravel.com slash Jen. Check it out. Use my promo code. Now. thought it was this week and I thought it was this week and I thought it was brilliant. And again, if it's his writers that wrote, there's some writer going, I said that. All right. But listen, I've written on shows too. You don't get the credit, right? But Jimmy Kimmel said it so poignantly, it feels like a portal to hell has been opened. And it really does. I know the world has always been both a scary and wonderful place always simultaneously, but my God, going on, on. And I've just been casually saying things, you know, like, oh, you know, we wake up every day with a constant anxiety and a feeling of dread. Well, that's not how I'm supposed to feel. And it's actually possible to feel good while being very cognizant of the world around you and what might not be right about it. And to feel feelings of empathy or distress or worry. But you got to be grounded in yourself. Do you understand? You cannot help yourself. You cannot help others unless you help yourself. Again, I see it every week in the safety demonstration on the airplane. Put your oxygen mask on so that you can be. Now, I think they do it so that you have beautiful skin right? Put the oxygen mask on. It's an oxygen facial. Give yourself an oxygen facial so that you can help the person next to you and put on their mask. What if I was so dumb that I thought that's what it was? Hey, oxygen facial, oxygen facial during the flight. How come it only comes down in case of an emergency? No man, that's oxygen to breathe. Oh, my heart's really good for your face too. Anyway, I'm always so proud. I'm going to say proud. Not to be dramatic, and being dramatic is also fine. That talkspace is a sponsor. You know, the internet used to be we just email. Oh, now we can buy things. Amazon. Oh my god, now I can order. Oh my god, now I can order a, a pair of scissors too. Oh, that's a terrible example. But the internet is is how we live today. And for people who can't find a therapist, have insurance troubles, can't get up and about aren't in one place ever. What a genius idea. Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you choose from over 1500 licensed therapists, get matched with your perfect therapist who can put you on your path to a happier life. Now for a special offer for my listeners, go to talkspace.com slash Jen, J E N talkspace.com slash Jen. When you use code Jen, you will get $30 off of your first month. That's Jen. Okay. We need to take better care of ourselves, and Talkspace makes it very easy to connect you with not just a licensed therapist, but an experienced one that works that's based on your that's based on your preferences. For as little as thirty two dollars a week, that is beyond less than a quarter a week of what therapy normally is. You can send your ter- uh, therapist. <sighs> how about, can I get a speech therapist? Um, you can send your therapist text, audio and video messages, or you can do a live video chat. Again, these therapists are fully licensed. They go through rigorous screening process. In addition to thousands of hours of supervised professional training, like all therapists do slash face.com slash Jen $30 off your first month therapy for how we live today. So anyway, we thought maybe we'd go through the old system, get her in, and then she'd work on campaign finance reform, which was a big thing of hers. But no one fucking knows that because why, why would they pay attention? So anyway, so he's like, oh, her motorcade was in the way. I'm like, I'm sorry her motorcade personally inconvenienced you. And I said, well, you know, she wrote about it in her book that she was sorry she had one. He's like, still does it though. I'm like, okay, well, let me know next time you feel like getting murdered by just taking an Uber everywhere as Uh, former first lady, secretary of state, senator of New York, and first female president to win the nomination. But yeah, get a taxi. Um, (laughs) It's not because she thinks she's better than you. It's because her, Hillary, her, Chelsea, Bill, their lives are always at stake. Our lives don't matter. So no one needs to follow us around. We get killed or kidnapped. It's like our families care. That's about it. So... I don't even know if my podcast listeners would care. They'd be like, you know what? I didn't even know she died. I'm like 20 episodes backed up. Um, (laughs) There's other podcasts. Anyway, so I said, well, I'm so jealous you got to see her. I've really grown to love her even more. Like in the past year, he was like, she's just as bad as Trump. And I was like, no, I don't think she's a rapist racist who would be letting Puerto Rico drown in its own shit. Well, we don't know that though, do we? Okay. Well now I can't play facty Magoo with you. I can't play. I can't play. There's no such thing as facts game because if you want to do that, then I can go, yeah, she could have shipped blood everywhere and projected it into a stadium. Like, I guess anything's possible, but I just have a feeling based on the 50 odd years she's been in public service. She probably wouldn't let Puerto Rican people die without water when it's one of our states basically, but you know. Sure. I love debate. So anyway, that sort of bummed me out and that sort of got me on my like, I have to have some fucking fun because I can't have the only people I talk to be the guy uh, that said that to me. And so, but it's one of those awkward things where I'm like, I'm going to back down now and not be like, if you want to know some facts about her, I can tell you the policies she had ready to go that she outlined in her book on her website in her speeches that nobody ever covered. And uh, he's like, yeah, but that's what she says. I'm like, no, no, I, I get it, but we can't be that cynical. Like she's put policies into place before. Like children have healthcare in America because of what she did as first lady. Like she has policies and I don't know my, Oh my God. So, but he's pulling back too. He's like, well, look, I mean, I guess all politicians are bad. Like that's his mea culpa. And I'm like, I, for, and I'm sitting there quietly And then it's just Everything's ruined You know But unlike a date At a coffee shop Where you can go well, I'm going to go You can't just be like I'm going to hop out On the freeway um, So <laughs> It really bummed me out To be honest With you coming to Canada And hearing so much Hatred for her and hearing so many young men come up to me after shows and talk about Bernie fucking Sanders. I can't take it anymore, you guys. He's an old man hippie. He's been in the Senate for 30 fucking years. He doesn't know how to work with others. Amazing senators like Barney Frank have written about this in op-eds for decades. I didn't used to pay attention to it because I loved him too. He's, I don't know, if you guys ever met a hippie from Vermont? Like, <laughs> like lots of ideas doesn't know how to do the idea. Does that make sense? You ever work with someone and you're like, do you know how to type? And they're like, whatever. But listen, if I were president of this company, you know, it's like, (laughs) I know it's boring, but you need someone who has the ideals can type and then goes, I might not get the ideal, but I'll get here. And then each generation will push it further. Like that was the promise of America. Like, okay, us white male slave owners, we'll get this running. And then, uh, Thank God it won't happen when we're here, but we envision a day when maybe other people will have some power, and they kept the Constitution open for us to amend it. And so, America is about incremental progress, working together. It's not about screaming revolution. And young people buy into it and then yell at older people, uh, "You've never done anything." Like it's there's a lot of chaos and childishness going on in America, and it makes me sad when I see it from people that are on my side and we want the same things. And I'm like but look, it didn't happen. So anyway, that's what I'm talking about. When I come here and you guys are siding with that, not you guys, but some Canadians, not all Canadians, I get very sad. I love socialism, but I do not live in a socialist country. So it's going to be really hard to push some things into the socialist arena, but it's going to happen. And Hillary and Obama both got really close. But this one that's just screaming about it, He's never done anything. I'm, he named a post office and he got a lot of money from the NRA, the National Rifle Association. Like most of his whole life in the Senate, he takes money from them and doesn't vote against, it doesn't vote with gun control. You can look it up. It's right there. And that's important to me. And I don't want anyone fucking telling me that that guy is a revolutionary because that's the least fucking revolutionary thing you can do. So anyway, yeah, Hillary may have voted for the Iraq war, but a lot of people did and she admits that it was a mistake. He keeps voting with the NRA. So whatever. If you don't like facts, don't listen to the one I just gave you. Keeps, keep pointing fingers. All right. So anyway, we don't have to clap. I just really was sad. I was like, I really hate that everywhere I go, there's always some white guy waiting for me after a show. Let me ask you about Bernie Sanders. Please don't. I gave you all of my opinions on him for the last year and a half. What is it about him exactly? You know what it is about him? That he empowered you to fucking stand there and ask me that. That's what it is about him. Um, Okay, so we're done with that rant. This show sucks. I told you it would. Okay, now, uh, I have two articles I could read to. I think these are kind of interesting, and you tell me what you want to hear. Um, There's a company that lets you have hangover days at work and um, flying coach could kill you. It's a death trap. (laughs) You want to hear flying coach? Okay. Listen, don't get upset you guys, but unless you're very wealthy and can pay $6,000 round trip for your flights, every time you fly, you're risking your life. So this is from, the flying coach is so cramped. It could be a death trap as airlines pack seats tighter than ever. The tests supposed to show that passengers can get out alive in a crash are woefully out of date. The FAA won't make the results public and a court warns there is plausible life and death safety concern for years. The airlines have been allowed to steadily shrink the size of coach class seats and space between rows without regulators considering the impact of this on safety. A Daily Beast investigation has found the tests carried out to ensure that all passengers can safely exit a cabin in an emergency are dangerously outdated and do not reflect how densely packed coach class seating has become or how the size of passengers has simultaneously increased. (laughs) In other words, we're fat fucks. Okay. No coach class seat meets the Department of Transportation's own standard for the space required to make a flight attendant seat safe in an emergency. Neither Boeing nor the FAA will disclose the evacuation test data for the newest and most densely seated versions of the most widely used jet, the Boeing 737. In a case brought by the nonprofit activist group Flyers Rights, I never heard about them, um, and heard by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit, a judge said there was a plausible life and death safety concern about what is called the densification of seats in coach. Mm-hmm. Court ordered them to do in this and that. Furthermore, the court complained that the FAA has used outdated studies to argue that no change is needed in the way emergency evacuation tests are carried out, and at the same time refused to release the details of their test results. So, the Daily Beast has examined more than 900 pages of Department of Transportation documents that address the way airplane cabins are configured to ensure rapid evacuation in an emergency. Uh, All of the tests, I feel like this is saying the same thing over, and we get it, it was before the planes got smaller and before people got bigger, like... I'll just s- summarize that. So, yeah, outdated, unrealistic tests. So uh, the tests are supposed to demonstrate that an airline can be evacuated in 90 seconds. But uh, the second test dynamics, were using 170-pound anthropomorphic dummies to test the design of seats. They, mean, they don't mean dumb people they mean (laughs) to test the design of seats and other physical components in a cabin. These include the effects of blunt trauma impact when a passenger's head strikes the seat back in front of them. Oh my God. These are things you don't think about in a plane crash. I guess you picture like, Oh, I'm going to die from like the crash and it explodes on impact. But it's more like yeah, blunt trauma to your head when it starts spiraling down and then you're just there like a half head falling out and real scary. I think about it anytime I have a free second, I'm like, what else would happen? (laughs) So anyway, yeah, it doesn't take into account any of that. The airplane cabin, uh, the volunteers are mentally prepared for what's going to happen. They don't experience any of the sudden alarm and stress that can precede a crash. So yeah, they're saying like the tests don't even replicate a real experience Um, and that there's not enough room. Basically, it's so badly written and so long, but there's no room to assume the crash position because the person's seat is right there. And if you're not like a gymnast from 1901, who's just like a five foot five man with no body fat, like most people can't lean over. So you're like here and the seat is there and you do the math. If it crashes, that's where your head gets, um, exploded. (laughs) I'm making that part up. Yeah. The head strike zone. So Unless you have to be in in first class where there's plenty of room to brace yourself, get booze really quickly if you know it's the end and you need to relax a little bit. Um, So yeah, everyone in coach is going to die. And I mean, that's all I have to tell you. They're they're not fixing anything. They're not fixing anything. (laughs) They're lying about the tests. There's too many people in a plane. Everyone's bigger and seats are smaller. And I feel like that's sort of just encapsulates what the world is. Like there's too many of us, we're getting bigger and the poor people will die. So it's the same way in airplanes. Um, so I guess your best bet is to fly, starve yourself, then fly, try not to worry about it. And if you can be rich and then that's it. I think that's what we've learned here today. The article is still going on. I am scrolling. It just keeps saying the same thing over and over. I don't mean to, it's badly written. Now, does that affect anybody right now? Are you like, shit, I'm scared to fly now? Are you afraid? No. You are? Because of that that I just read? Yeah. Here's the deal, though. Planes rarely crash, so that's the good news. Like, they're acting as though they crash all the fucking time. Like, they never do. So, you're probably fine. And get the exit row seat. That's how you cheat the system. Except you have to help other people. My flight down here, there was no one in the exit row. Is that weird to you? Did I talk about this on stage already? I did talk about it on stage, right? Yeah. This guy's like, you did repeat yourself. I talked about it at one of my shows. Um, But usually it's like, do you feel like you can assist? And you have to be like, yes. And you look them in the eye, yes. So why does it matter if I can do that, if you're just going to let no one sit in the exit row on a flight? Like, I don't get... Do they just think like, oh, I'll just run to the exit row... If since no one's sitting in it, if there's a problem? And then if so, then why can't they just think that way when they ask me? And I'm like, I'm just lying. I don't know if I can assist because you've never let me test the door. I have no idea. (laughs) I have no clue if it's too heavy for me or not. Like, I don't have practice. I don't know if I have to, like, give it a hip or something or no fucking idea. I mean, you would think... Like, they just say, like, oh, here's some pictures and then you can do it. And it's like, there's no... I don't even know, like, you know those doors on a van when you open it, but it automatically opens and You never had to pull that hard. Like I'm not good at that and I still get weirded out by it. So I know I can't handle a door, but I love the exit row for the room. And whenever they ask me, I get very dramatic and they're like, do you think you could assist in the case of an emergency? I'm like, yes. Not only do I think I can, I know I can. In fact, I'll be doing drills in this row throughout the whole flight (laughs) to ensure proper passenger safety. Cause I've heard a few things that coach isn't safe and I don't want these people to feel like they're not entitled to a chance at life. If this thing goes down, I've gotten pillows for everyone to wear on top of their head. <laughs> I talked about the woman next to me was praying. I'm not making fun of prayers. I, just, I tell my pod, podcast people about see podcast podcast people back home. Uh, a woman next to me on the flight was praying right out loud. I mean, I guess that's how you do it. Because if you think to your, if you've prayed in your head, it doesn't seem as effective as if you're like, God, please. Like, when you say that out loud, you're like, oh, just like relax. I don't even care if there is a God, it just seems relaxing. Like someone else help. thanks. And then, but if you just think it to yourself, you're just thinking. But this woman was like Jesus. And she was literally like, Jesus, take the wheel of this plane. Jesus, do this. Not in case of an emergency, like Jesus, fly the plane. And my point was not to laugh at her because that's a silly thought. It's just that Jesus does not know how to fly planes. And you say, well, yes, he does. He's God. No, Jesus came to us. If you remember your Catholic upbringings, if you had one, he came to us as a person to represent. Now, this is all under the guise of let's just say all this is true. He came to us as a person to represent people. He's not, he died. He's not any more special than you and me. Then they have the weird thing. He came back to life. I don't think, I think someone added that later. Like we just got to really make sure these people like believe in what he says as though... As though what he said wasn't special enough. Like, let's just go with, like, Jesus was a historical person. As though what he said wasn't special enough to be like, that guy's thinking on a higher plane than us. Like, I'll follow him, you know, turn the other cheek, you know, love your enemy. Like, most people are like, fuck that shit. And then when you experience what it feels like to turn the other cheek or love your enemy, you kind of get this magical feeling inside. And you're like, hey, that guy's got some thoughts, but people think we're so stupid that we can't even learn from someone who has some great ideas. They have to add in like, then he came back in the rock. He, they rolled a rock away and he was gone. And then he was walking around like a ghost with holes in his hands. And he said, yeah, I, I beat death. Like, and I'm going to fly into heaven in 40 days. Like, and then people go, oh, now I take him seriously. Like, why didn't you take him seriously before when he said the challenging thing? Like, so people think we're stupid and they add that into the Bible. That's my hot take on the Bible. But anyway, <laughs> so I got no problem if you want to pray to Jesus. I'm, I'm all into it. But don't speak for me. I don't want him to fly the plane. Again, I believe he was a historical figure that had some great ideas. Never said anything about being able to operate a plane. <laughs> he was a carpenter. If you were like, Jesus, build me a house, I'd be like, yes. Can you ask him to build me one too? Although we've never seen any proof in the Bible in any of the stories that he built one fucking thing. There are so many years, they tell them that the missing years of Jesus where people like maybe he went to, some people think he went and, and um, went all over Asia. Some people think he like dabbled in other things. and but no one knows between like 13 and 33 when he died like what he was doing but his job was carpenter so you would think okay let's say he didn't go on all these journeys would he just been working in the joseph's store or whatever where he didn't build anything and i feel like and this is the problem with charismatic leaders with great ideas you buy into it and then you're like wait a minute have you ever built any fucking piece of furniture? Like I like your ideas, but until I can see that you can actually make a table, then I'll go, okay, he knows how to make a table and he wants world peace. Like that's good. But I don't just want the guy that's running around saying world peace because I don't know if he's going to do the hard work it takes to get it. So anyway, but I do think it's interesting in the Bible. There's no like the table of, cause you know, the Bible has all kinds of things in it. Like monuments and objects and things. And it, there's never like the table of Jesus. Like there's no table that he built that you could say is in a museum now, or we found the piece of wood from it. It really is from back then. Like there's nothing. I don't know why no one thought to cover their ass in that way. Like we got to, you know, if, let's say that half of it's made up. Like we got to make this believable. Like, will we put the part in where he comes back from the dead. Yes. But I feel like maybe a little more grounded. Like we did mention on page one that he's a carpenter. And then we just kind of dropped that whole story. Do we think that like, maybe just show one thing that he built? And they're like, no, I don't think they, they need that part. You just say he's a carpenter. And people believe it. They're like, well, this isn't a Hallmark movie. I mean, you got to show something that they've done. And they're like, oh, whatever. People will be so fascinated with the death thing that he came back from it, that they're not going to be like, I need to see a table. But that's all. Like, I honestly can believe more if you tell me he died and came back from the dead because it's so ridiculous to me that you go, why anything's possible? You know, and you go to that place, like, sure, like the world's crazy. But they go, he's a carpenter. I go, I'm not sure about that one. I have not seen any fucking proof. He didn't even have like a tool belt that he wore. Like he didn't have... (laughs) Because he went around helping people cure the blind, da-da-da. You don't think like, oh, my roof caved in. I got it. Like, call Jesus. (laughs) He didn't do any miracles of the hands. What if he was annoying like the Property Brothers and he's in like a tight robe? (laughs) Anyway, but yeah, she was praying to Jesus, which was fine. But I did find it interesting that she really wanted him to grab the plane. And I just thought she wasn't really thinking it through and that if he did and we crashed, that would be so ironic if they ran the tests later. I don't know how they would run that test. Like the plane was on pace to get to Toronto. Uh, we had captain Bob. He's great. He does that route all the time, but we had this supernatural occurrence. It seems like Jesus Christ came back and flew the plane and he didn't know what the fuck he's doing and it crashed. But nobody would know. They'd be like, why did Jesus do that? He comes back from, you know, he's everyone's waiting for him to come back in the Catholic religion. Where is he? And that he comes back because he was like, just had like one second to himself and he heard the prayer and he's like, oh, I guess I'll yeah, I can do that. And then, because he's been told that he's pretty special, so he's oh, I guess I can. And then he comes down and it crashes, but no one knows the story of the woman asking for him to fly the plane. So it looks like Jesus crashed a plane. So... I just think, God, what if it had crashed? You guys would never know that I knew why. Um, oh, that's my, my mother will hear this and go, why are you so into religion lately? You're talking about it a lot. Well, no, I'm not religious, but I'm just I'm commenting on the stories. I don't know. Your father and I don't go to church anymore, but we, I don't know. I just think, I don't want you talking about it too much. I just think it's bad luck. You know, that's what my mother doesn't go to church. But like, don't upset God with your weird, I think Jesus would laugh if he heard me go, did you ever really build anything? He'd be like, no. (laughs) Is that like a sign of intense delusion and narcissism if you truly believe? Like, I know. Jesus would like my comedy. Like, I know it. And not only would he like it, I could totally bust his balls. He'd be fine with it. Like, I think I 100% believe that. I 100% believe it. If there's a a God Jesus, like, if that's true, I think he'd be into me. And if it's just that he's an historical figure who's an amalgamation of a bunch of different people, I think that would like me too. I guess that's, like, nice. That's, like, self... Is that self-love? I don't know. I can't tell day to day what's self-love and what's complete delusion. So... Is there anything before we, we have 15 minutes left, um, I, can, uh, I can read you the article about the, the place that lets you be hungover at work. Or if you guys have topics you want to talk about, I will take suggestions for Tad Devine. Oh, it, I, I hope he's here. I don't want, well, here's what I'll talk about it to you for like one second, but people who don't know, Tad Devine was Bernie Sanders' campaign manager. He was a lot of Democrats' campaign managers over the years, but they all lost in stunning defeats. And it's sort of like people are starting to go back now and say like, oh, why did John Kerry lose? Like the messaging was always off and they think Tad Devine, who worked with that guy, Paul Manafort, have you heard that name? He was Donald Trump's campaign manager. He was the one directly uh, talking to the Russians and saying, okay, well, Uh, we'll give you sanctions, we'll lift sanctions if you let Donald Trump in. He's literally, Paul Manafort is the guy. He's, like, being investigated. He was the one that they had the the middle-of-the-night FBI raid on him. Wasn't that him? Yeah. And he's being indicted right now. Like, he's the linchpin of Trump-Russia. He worked for Russia. Tad Devine, who's Bernie's campaign manager, has been Paul Manafort's business partner for decades. Nothing to see here, though. So, But anyway, but Tad Devine has also worked with John Kerry, other Democrats. There were these periods in his life where he wasn't doing scumbag shit. But recently was working with Paul Manafort to get that crazy Ukrainian... Uh, I don't really know that whole story. The Ukrainian dictator, they get him elected. Basically the Trump of the Ukrainian. so... And they both worked together and got this guy elected. Like, it's shady fucking shit. And Tad Devine is nowhere to be found. And I'm like, where is he? Like, if they got Manafort, why don't they get his partner? And why is nobody... So Bernie Sanders paid Tad Devine 80000 a month. And they said it all came from just $27 donations. But there's $10 million that Bernie got from unnamed sources. And he won't release his taxes. It's from podcasts. Is it what you said? Uh, so $10 million he got from foreign people and you're supposed to, it's okay, you're supposed to do a, the whole paperwork thing and they didn't do it. Um, and so that's not being investigated yet. And everyone who's me is asking, uh, what's going on with that. And it's not conspiracy. You can Google it right when you get out of here and be like, Oh, that's like a missing thing that no one's talking about. So every day on Twitter I go, where's Tad Devine? And I do it because when I'm right, like, I'm so obsessed with being right that when he goes down, people will be like, oh my God, Jen Kirkney was tweeting about it forever, which no one is going to do that, by the way. No one, it's not about me, but somehow, thank you, you and me, and Jesus is, believe me, Jesus is cool with this too. Does anyone else, I don't know, no more politics. Anyone else want to talk about anything? I'll close my eyes. You can just shout it out. Hangover day. All right. Do you know what the worst job is to have hungover? I think is a job like mine because people always think like my whole life is partying. Like, you want to, let me buy you a shot. I'm like, I don't want to drink with people who've been drinking for three hours. Like if I'm just starting, like this is a fucking nightmare. You know what I mean? Um, and people I don't know who are drunk, I think is like, and that's the thing is like, I feel like people in entertainment, like we get bagged as being an asshole if we don't want to hang out with you after, but just answer me this, like pretend this, you're not in, performing or anything. You're doing your thing. You're like eating dinner in a restaurant alone. You're reading a book. You're very happy to do it. Someone comes up to you and goes, hey, I think you're cool. They don't know you, but they just, they get a sense you're cool. And you're like, thanks. And they're like, so drink with us. And you're like, oh no, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. We said you were cool. How dare you fucking rebuke our compliment by not wanting to hang out with us well, what are you guys doing? Well, we've all been doing shots for like four hours. So we're kind of slurring and got a lot of big ideas. We're touching a lot and very strong hands, like grabbing and our breath smells. Oh, I'm completely sober. I was having a coffee. I might have like an aperitif at the end, but I'm not drunk. Fuck you. Hang out with us. And now imagine that these people blog about you when you won't go out with them after... And when they get home the next day and they're like, what a bitch. So that's what being a comic is really like, is that after a show, we like, what are you doing? And so a lot of times we get off work at like midnight. And for me, if I start drinking after 12, my hangovers are so much worse the next day than if I got, I could drink like eight drinks from five to 8 PM and not be hung over the next day. But if I drink three after midnight, I'm hungover. I guess that's not that uh, ununique, but to do a show hungover is the worst fucking feeling in the world. Like i I've had so many desk jobs and you can just, it sucks to have to be there, but you can just sort of lay on your desk and just keep ordering food. But like, I can't eat or drink for an hour when I'm performing and all I want to do is shove like fried things in my mouth. So, okay. This is from Bazaar, little ladies fashion magazine. Um, we all know the feeling of adrenaline. The alarm goes up at 7am and you realize that was a bad idea. One company has accepted that most humans do occasionally make the slight mistake and allows its staff to call in sick with a hangover. They don't have to make an excuse. It's a London-based music discovery and ticketing firm. They don't want their staff attempting to even string a sentence together. They can call in sick using emojis. (laughs) You can just do music, beer, and sick, those three emojis, and that's that's all that's needed the event responsible for giving this, uh, staff member hangover thing says it has to be, oh, it has to be work related. So you can't be like, but if you work in a music and ticketing firm, like you might be out a lot, like you can, like you can start with work and then keep it going later. You know what I mean? So you leave work at 10 and you're like, is anyone else doing anything? And then you get your friends, um, But I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. All of our team live for music and some of the best deals in the industry happen after a gig. I don't know any of this world at all. Is that true? I feel like the music is a terrible, scary industry to be in and no deals happen anymore anywhere. I don't know what, (laughs) but I don't know anything about it. I just can't believe that there are like bands playing and people come up to you and they're like, let's make a deal. I don't know. Maybe it still happens. I don't know. I saw the hotel, uh, where I'm staying across the street. There's the A theater, the music, something, and this is Harry Styles is playing there. Is did he go solo? Did I miss that? Oh, what was he in? One direction? How long's he been solo? Ooh. What's his music like? (laughs) I feel like it would be good because he seems to have some edge and some style. I know, who would know? I like his hair, so I'm like, I bet the music's good. Um (laughs) it's good? Okay, here's his new song, Sign of the Times. Is it all slow like this? Haven't you heard that beat before, though? I mean, it's sort of like, it's good, but not if you're 70. You're like, everything's been done. Dream, dream, baby. That's already a song from the 50s. I tell you, every song is every song already. Someone save, someone save, someone saving my life tonight. That's a Beck song from like eight years ago. All his songs are so slow. He's just ripping off Beck. Am I crazy? That's a Beck song. That's that rape song, isn't it? Blurred lines. That's a blurred lines, it sounds like. Anyway, God bless Harry Styles. (laughs) Ripping off the best. Let's end on this. I don't know if you guys know this. I'm going to Google it just so that you don't think I'm making up any more facts. Um, you know how Donald Trump is calling Kim Jong-un rocket man? <laughs> We're very proud of that, by the way. Um, okay. The nickname... So I have a, Someone told me um, that Trump thought he was saying the nickname in jest, and he thought that rocket man could be taken as a compliment, not an insult. <laughs> And I actually believe that he thinks that because this is going to get deep, but Donald Trump has rocket man on his pre-show playlist for rallies. Um, and I'm going to find it and then I'm going to tell you my theory. Rocket man, pre-show playlist, Trump's rally songs. business insider. This is from 2016. January 9th, 2016, one of the signature features of Donald Trump's campaign for president has been his unscripted moments at campaign rallies, but one thing about his events always follows a similar pattern, the warm-up music. Trump, who has shunned traditional small-town hall-style events in favor of mega rallies at stadiums and event spaces built for thousands, always sticks to a set list of music warm-up selections. Like many... Okay, blah, blah, blah... uh, Here's a look at the songs that Donald Trump plays to pump up his audiences at rallies. Number one, Rocket Man by Elton John. And so what I believe is that he... Now, this is just give me one second of Donald Trump's sympathy here. Because, you know, if you had to make a movie about him, you'd have to make it compelling. And you'd have to make the case that, you know, his parents were really shitty and they abandoned him and they hated him and he never learned love. And so I think he's probably... I mean, now it's all really true. I think he's probably born awful, but he did, like literally did not have parental love. So, oh wait, I'm putting. I'm like, why is I'm putting the wrong thing? Um, Rocket Man. Okay, so you know that this evil man who just wants to be loved, and that's all that this comes from. He loves this song. You know, when he was younger when he's not trafficking women for his modeling place or doing coke at studio 54 colluding with the Russian mob in New York, he's just like something t- He wanted Elton John to play like personally at one of his uh, weddings or birthday parties or something like he loves Elton John. And it's this little human part of him. That's just like, he wants to be, he was a little kid who didn't get love. So he's like, I have to be bigger than life. I'm going to be rocket man. And he's sitting in his gold bedroom I'm still not happy I need to be I need to be special I need to be all powerful I need to be I don't know yes I'm not the man they think I am I have a heart but I want to be powerful I'm a I'm a rocket man And then he gets to be president. He's like, I have the codes. Because, but I can't blow up America. I know why there's someone else I have to be. I want to be scary, but I know I'm not. Oh my God, there's another dictator. Kim Jong-un. You know, he didn't know it wasn't his dad. He thought he called him Kim Jong-il a bunch. They're like, that guy's dead. This is his son. He's like, what? He didn't even know there were two. <laughs> not even kidding. 100% while he was president, that happened. So now he sees there's another dictator that gets to act more dictator He gets to shoot rockets off, and no one dies because they keep going in the ocean, but he's scaring everybody, and Donald Trump's like, I want to do that, but he's not allowed to because our rockets work. So we can't just shoot one off. This is Trump. All the science I don't understand. It's just my job five days a week. Then I go golfing. <laughs> so he's like, I want to be him. He wants to be Kim Jong-un. He sees how much fun that guy's having. He's Rocket Man. It's like his dream. Like, yes, a little boy, unloved. I own the world. I can shoot off anything. And he's so jealous. So he calls him Rocket Man. Not because he's angry that the guy has rockets and he's trying to chide him. He's like, you're a Rocket Man. I wanted to be a Rocket Man. And the closest I get is playing this at my rallies. And you know, he just sits in his room. It's going to be a long time before it's socially acceptable to nuke people. I'm not the man they think I am in New York. I'm the rocket man. No, I'm not. It's Kim Jong-un. And there's just such a tragedy for me with this song. To find out after the fact that he plays this at his rallies, that's some deep shit right there. He is a sad, sad tragic Shakespearean. I don't know anything about Shakespeare, but that seems (laughs) that that could be in Shakespeare. And that's why I don't worry. I'm here to tell you guys, don't worry about what we're doing down South. We're not going to, well, I actually came here into Winnipeg last summer. I'm like, we're not going to elect him. Don't worry about it. So don't listen to me because I feel like I'm going to jinx it right now. But we're not going to nuke anything. He just wants to be able to shoot off a rocket and I feel like if we were smart and I think a lot of people don't know psychology and that comes in handy with shit like this give him a rocket with nothing in it and let him go to like Cape Cod and let him just shoot it and play the song and just like make a young boy's dreams come fucking true and he will stop well I guess that's all for today I didn't even finish my drink Thank you for coming to I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman Podcast. Toronto, you've been such a delightful audience. Sorry if some of you had to hear the same things twice, sir. We'll find Tad Devine. Devine, do you think it's Devine or Divine? Devine. Um, before we go, I haven't checked Twitter in an hour and I don't know what's going on back home. Trump says the mayor of San Juan is nasty. Oh, it's a woman. Oh, that's right. That woman that was crying, right? Yeah. You You sounded weirdly happy. I know you're not. Yeah, she's crying for 18 minutes. It's fucking cool. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, uh, that's right. He loves to call women nasty. Uh, Those shirts just got an uptick. And, uh, anyway, yeah, I just put Tad Devine in Twitter. Uh, five of my tweets came right up. Um, but they say Ted Devine, Divine was in on the, uh, he knew about the Facebook stuff. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Oh yeah. Oh, stick with me. All right. Listen guys, you've been amazing. Thank you. Second city. Have a wonderful, Oh, where's the lady that I, did they, did they give you, um, are oh, you just got a water? Oh, did they, did they make you pay for it? Oh, Okay. Oh, all right. Well, good. People who drink are like, fuck you. I would have had 10. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you again. See you tonight if you want to come.